0: Back to throw, Fitzpatrick.
1: Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team! Wow. What is up, Dolphin fans? And welcome to the Drive Time podcast part. Of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are flashing it back to 2002, taking an in depth look at Miami's thrilling win at Mile High Stadium. I'll be joined by Orande Gadston to tell us about that physical football game and the big plays he made continuously in that win. All of that and more on this throwback Thursday, April the 9th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins! And before I get a on, I just want to say this was my favorite Dolphins game just from start to finish. 60 minutes of good football that I personally have ever seen. I was 14 years old at the time, so maybe my grasp of the game wasn't quite what it is now, but watching that game, just the ups and downs, the emotions of it, the highs and the lows, and knowing that these are two teams, two championship-level contending teams that year with stout defenses, physical ground games, quarterbacks that could get the job done late in the game, as we saw from both of these quarterbacks, what a thrilling win that was in Denver. And I'll never forget going back to school the next morning. I was a freshman in high school, and Miami got vaulted up to number one on the ESPN Power Rankings, going to 5-1 and one after that thrilling come from behind victory in the fourth quarter and this game didn't start very pretty for Miami they were slow to get things going offensively Ricky Williams had almost no room to run the entire night 20 carries for 49 yards on the game but that defense that vaunted Dolphins defense that was a top five top 10 scoring outfit just about every year in those early 2000 seasons they were as advertised with those two cornerbacks on the outside locking things up and they really changed the way the Broncos had to game plan that game because Because you couldn't run your normal route tree against two good press cover corners. They had to run things, crossing patterns and horizontal drag routes and things that got those guys off of their initial coverage. So it definitely impacted the game. And then you had Jason Taylor who was just unblockable all night. That left tackle, that poor left tackle trying to get his initial punch on JT was a futile effort all night long. You had Zach Thomas shooting gaps and making plays everywhere on the defensive side of the ball. And then the offense in the second half picked things up thanks to a pair of Ricky Williams touchdown runs some big plays defensively including a pick six from Patrick Sertan and several big time catches to move the chains to get drives started from Moronde Gadsden and of course it was capped off by Olindo Mare <laughs> And that was with six seconds to go, the Dolphins took the lead late in that game. And let's go ahead now and talk about that game with former Dolphins receiver, Orande Gadsden. And joining the podcast now is former Dolphins receiver. He made five catches for 77 yards in that 2002 win over the Denver Broncos, 24-22. And each one of those catches was bigger than the last. Orande Gadsden. Orande, how you doing, man?
0: Hey, man. Thanks for having me, Travis. Appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm doing well.
1: We're we're glad to have you on and we got to ask you because it's, you know, unprecedented times right now with the way the world's going. How you doing? You staying safe? You staying healthy?
0: Yeah, man, uh, you know, staying inside as much as possible. Uh trying to get out and at least, you know, dog keeps me walking, so that that that's a good thing and my my kids keep me active on this virtual learning thing, but uh other than that, trying to stay in and and uh stay away from 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 the virus.
1: Yeah, man. It, for me, it's like I actually look forward to going for runs these days, which is not in my character at all, well, just to be out right. of the damn house. So it's it's definitely changing times. I want to go back to 2002 yeah. with you here, Rondé, and just first start with this game that was, for my money, one of the best games I've ever seen. It was a big primetime spotlight, a pair of 4 and one teams that both had championship aspirations, and stylistically, the matchup was so good. What was kind of the thoughts and feelings of that Dolphins team, that Dolphins locker room, heading into that game?
0: Um, we we thought you know at four and one that, that was you know a good start for us. So um, you know <clears throat> with everybody on the team, we thought we had a a, a good lineup. Uh, we we thought we can go into uh, to Denver and and pull out a big Sunday night game. It, it wasn't. Um, wasn't uh, a lot of games that we had big primetime games, so we look forward to uh, showing what we had um, on, on on big big spot on TV.
1: And what is the adjustment for a player to go into the Mile High City because of the elevation and the air quality in terms of what you're able to do with your breath and you keeping your stamina up? What's the challenges for a player going going into play into Denver on the road?
0: Well, I'm think it's the same for everybody. You're not used to it. it, it it's tough to get used to. I, I think, you know, you have to uh use your time wisely when you're on the sideline and uh offense is sitting down and, and the defense is up, you may get a little oxygen, get you something to drink. Um but I, I think uh, you know, using your uh breathing method just change a little bit. You you do big deep breaths and and do your nose out through your mouth and you just try to try to uh, accomplished getting getting your stamina up just the best way you could.
1: Well, the mental hurdle is certainly one aspect of it, but this game was 18 years ago, and I still stand by the fact, as a fan, a person watching on my television, that this was the most physical game I'd ever seen. Would you agree with that?
0: Um, I, I played in, in, in quite a few games, and it, it, it's definitely up there, you know, in my top three. I, I think we played a game uh, maybe in, in, at the Jets that was probably uh, a little bit more physical. But I, I think as far as the uh, hits and, and, and the the way we played that game, smashed Miles at the end and, and, and came out with a field goal uh, to win the game, which was probably uh, physically the most – the most physical as far as it it, it hurt our team because we had three key players go down and and so uh, that being said it it probably was the most physical at the time
1: so you said something in there that was gonna kind of lead into a question I have later on my list here but let's go ahead and talk about it now you mentioned a game against the Jets now obviously you play them twice a year but the first game against the Jets that year Aranda you had the catch that I think everyone kind of knows you for that sprawled out you know completely extended catch you made right around the shortstop area of the infield there. at uh, I think it was pro player stadium at the time. What was, can you, can you walk us through that catch?
0: Yeah, it was, it was a big play in the game. I think the route was for me to run a, a bow route. And if I felt the coverage was, uh, playing over top, I turned into a dig and, and that's what I did. And I think at the point that Jay thought I was gonna, um, still run the goal. And, uh, so it was just second nature for me to try to get, you know, all passes, whatever we can do. We had been on a seven, eight game losing streak to the Jets, and I was just tired of it. And, and so we were trying to get in field goal position. And, and so I, I went over and, you know, did the best I could to catch the ball. I wish I'd stayed on my feet and scored. But and that infield is kind of dicey because <laughs> of the gravel and the dirt and, and, and everything involved. But, um, you know, that would that – would, the highlight was the win, you know, I think the kids just came, you know, in the game. It was nothing that I planned to do. Um, it was just, you know, I, I wanted to beat the Jets that bad and I, and, and we did.
1: And it was one of those catches that maybe is more common nowadays with the way those gloves are manufactured to have that sticky apparatus on them. But you made it before that was really prevalent in the NFL. And you mentioned a big victory over the Jets. That was a blowout win. This game, the Denver game, the Sunday night game in week number six, I think it was, was a closer affair. And let's go ahead and pick this thing up. Middle of the second quarter. It's third down and 11. And the offense hasn't really got much going to that point. Then they dial up number 86, who makes a big conversion, of course you then the next play is a big chunk gain to really get the offense cranking was there an adjustment that was made on that series on that drive to get you more involved
0: um no I think that was the natural progression of the game I think um at the time I was I don't even know if it was a Chan Gailey the offense coordinator I know he's back now but um I I think you know we always try to um uh, I, I guess solidified the running game before we, we started to throw passes and, and, and it was just trying to get, uh, the O line and, and the running backs, Ricky at the time, you know, in a groove and, and trying to see, uh, how the game was going to be played. And, and so I think it, it kind of, you know, the run set up the pass and we felt that we ran enough plays that the defense was going to stay the same. And so once once we saw the defense would stay the same, then we knew we could use certain uh, certain schemes to pass.
1: And I think one of the reasons that the offense's slow start in that game wasn't really impacted on the scoreboard was because of that vaunted Dolphins defense led by Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas, and of course the two cornerbacks in Patrick Sertan and Sam Madison. What was it like for you going up against those two guys in practice every day? Because these guys were mugging dudes throughout that game.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, they do the same thing yeah. in practice, man, to be quite honest. And <laughs> hey, you know, if anything attribute to any success that I had, um, you know, I, I don't wanna speak for OJ, but I think at the time like OJ and Chris Chambers even uh I, I think it was just us going up against Pat and Sam every day, um, that, that made us better, you know, especially in man, you know, in, in press coverage. Off was a different animal, but um if you play press, you can better believe we were ready for it as receivers because we saw it every day in practice.
1: (laughs) Against two of the best. I'm always reminded of Channing Crowder on the Fish Tank podcast when he would call Sam Madison 10 on 10 because he'd always call for 10 on 10 because he wants to go man up on on the perimeter on his own. So (laughs) You you got a bunch of that every day in practice, I'm sure. They had two picks in this game. We'll get to those here in just a minute. But you cap off that drive that you really got started, Arande, with a Ricky Williams touchdown. And you mentioned Ricky earlier, establishing the running game. what was it like for the offense to have a player like that, a running game like that, to lean on?
0: Uh, man, it, it was great. You know, I, I don't know if it was the best thing to do. You know, as a receiver, we want to get the ball too. <laughs> but um, having Ricky back there, you know, he 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 was a workhorse. He carried a load. He definitely do a heavy lifting. Um, we, we thought of it as us being, you know, a release for him, you know, give the guy a break and sure. so we can catch some passes. But um, you know, to have Ricky Ricky back there you knew um, you know, with that defense and if we got in the lead and we had to salt the game away well, we had Ricky and that 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 was definitely a doable situation.
1: Ricky versus Clinton Portis. You had Al Wilson going up against, or on the opposite side against Zach Thomas. Just a bunch of physical, physical aspects of that game. And because of that, you lose a couple of receivers in the game. Chris Chambers left and exited, didn't come back. James McKnight gets dinged up, but he did come back into the game. So at one point, it was down to you and Dedrick Ward as far as the healthy receivers that were active for that game. What is it like for the offense when you're down to just two healthy, active receivers?
0: Well, it's tough because it it kind of it kind of um, limits you to the things that you can do, and I think the defense knows that as well. You know, just like you said, uh, playing ten on ten on ten, uh, you know, they 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 would rather play, you know, uh, I, I guess eleven on eleven on 10, uh, on nine, you know, um, because we only had two guys, and and Dedrick w- was a veteran at the time, and and he knew uh what to do and where to come in at but at that point we would only use uh Diedrich to either play slot with me. Uh I don't think we really went into a bunch of him outside, me outside. So um I, I think it was it was tough but because we were both vets at the time I, I think it made it easier on the offense. But it is tough when you uh kind of scale it down just to so say you have two healthy receivers.
1: And then right after Sam Madison makes that interception to kind of get things going back for the Dolphins offense, you had the, the, you know, the drive starter is one of the most important plays of any drive, and you had the big catch to get the chains going and get the offense rolling on that series. Was, was that part of the game plan at that point of the game to say, hey, we got to get this thing going. We have to open up the passing game. Let's go back to 86 because you had so many crucial catches prior to that in this game.
0: Yeah, no, I think we're at, the, at this time we we knew we we're in a dogfight, and and we had to play everything close to the vest. And and once again, you know, me being outside, and you know, partly because of my size, um, we would try to get force the defense to at least have, let me have the one on one matchups where everybody else would play zone. And I think, like like I said, because we were running the ball, um, whether we made you know, five yards or made three yards, or even made one yard. Um, we were running the ball and they knew that was our intention because of, you know, obviously because of the game plans we were playing, you know, if we had to score, we'd score, but we wanted the game to be close and tight because our defense was so good at the time. So um, at this point in the game, we figured that um, because we were running the ball effectively, the state needs to stay close uh, to the box to try to help them run which means they couldn't help outside and left me one-on-one. And, you know, obviously, uh, any routes, you know, outside and I'm, 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 I'm going to go and say under 15 yards. I was pretty confident <laughs> one-on-one I, I could make it happen.
1: Nothing nothing longer than that?
0: Listen, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a 50-50 ball okay. after after that. But uh, under 15 yards, I, pre- I felt pretty confident.
1: So then that drive gets capped off with a touchdown from Ricky Williams. And then you come back and it is, uh, Patrick Sertan gets the pick six after Jason Taylor hits, Brian greasy forces an errant throw and you get that pick six. So you come back off that drive and then the Broncos go back down and score to take the lead. What are the thoughts going into that final drive when you guys had 40 seconds on the clock and a couple of timeouts to go down there and get that game winning field goal?
0: Uh, I mean, you know, obviously we, we feel confident about it because, uh, I guess the biggest thing for us as, as a as a group was James McKnight came back. <laughs> so we had an extra, extra outside guy, and he was our deep threat. So um, we felt confident that uh, we can, you know, uh, go down the field and at least get in position for a field goal. And so, uh, you you know, like the series before, like, all right, our defense is out there. They look like they're going to stop them. You know, they're not going to go – you know, eighty yards. Uh, you know, we we get get ourselves huddled up on the sideline and, and go through the game plan of how we gonna get uh, Lindo in and field and, and field goal range. So um, we felt pretty pretty good that that we could do it, and um, we went down and did it.
1: And the ESPN cameras actually picked up a shot on the sideline where Jay Fiedler's getting his thumb taped. I have to assume that was the play where his thumb hits a helmet and it got broken. He missed the next five games. Did you guys know about that when that happened?
0: Um, yeah, you know, you know, you know about these things when when they happen yep. when you get to the sideline, but you don't know how how serious they are. Oh, Jay had his thumb on the helmet. Uh, you know how uh, hard. You know, you know, you have your own things to worry about because uh, I I mean I missed the next five games as well. <laughs> like yeah. I had surgery on my wrist. I tore a ligament in my wrist that game. So we it, it, it was a, a, a knockdown dragout fight. It was a it was a bang bang kind of game and those are games you kinda kinda live for as a as a football player. Um, I'm pretty sure half of those things, probably not have. I'm gonna say three fourths of the things that happened in that game probably would not fly today in the days in I feel They would probably be seriously fined or suspended. But um it was just good hard nosed football and we you know, like I said, at the time we were we were four and one and we won that game but we were five and one, we were pretty much on our way to uh a, a good playoff seed and, and you know at that time, but um coming out of the game, I know um offensively um I know we myself chris and Jay was out for the next few games, so that was that was that was a pretty tough uh price to pay uh to win out there in Denver but um you know you don't think about it uh that way when you when you're playing, you just think about going to the next play and making it happen.
1: I think that's why that final series was so crucial because you guys were down so many guys or eventually would become down so many guys. And you had a big third down conversion on a previous drive that helped move the chains and take some time off the clock, which ultimately impacted you guys negatively because you did have to go down the field in 40 seconds. Of course, you wouldn't know that beforehand but that final drive man that drive was so beautiful McMichael drops the pass to start it but it actually saves some clock so it's a good thing but then he comes back with that big third down conversion catching the ball way off of his frame and then Arande the ball goes right through John Mobley's fingertips into the waiting hands of Dedrick Ward what was what I have to imagine so fans were like losing our minds during that what's it like for the players when you get these just highs and lows and backs and forth
0: it's tough. I I don't think, um, you know, fans take that into consideration. Yep. And obviously the ones who can stay even keel throughout it all, you know, obviously perform, perform better. Um, you know, you, a guy would always say he wants to be, you know, the star in the spotlight. But, you know, it takes a lot to get to that spotlight, you know, even in the game, even in one game, for you to make that... One catch to make make it happen. You went through the highs and lows. You 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 human. You go through those emotions like, oh man, what are we gonna do? Like if we get, you play it through in your head. We get to stop here. We go down the score and come back. They hold them, and then you know you you go through all those scenarios in your head, and and you just hope uh, when it's your opportunity to make a play, you, you you make that play. And and so you know those things happen. We we you know I I, I can see it from across the field like. You know, you stop and look and see where the ball is thrown. And you see, you know, Mobley break on it. And, you know, oh, 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 yeah, good job. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we still got, you know, like, you know, in basketball, no, don't shoot that, don't yeah. shoot that. Oh, good shot. <laughs> so it, it's the same thing. We all go through it. Like I said, the ones who, who uh, you see, you know, obviously – no, the leader in the clubhouse with that would be Tom Brady. They, you know, they they stay even keel. They don't get as high as the high or as low as the lows, and then you go down and do it. But when you have that opportunity, like in this game, you make the best of it as well.
1: You described my entire basketball career right there. Get the ball at the three-point line, pull it for the shot. <laughs> Coaches say, no, 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 and then it goes in. Okay, we're good to go. <laughs> oh, man. So, okay, one last question for you, Rondé. I always contend – I was 14 years old during that game, so give me a bit of a break here, but I always contend that was that was the best team in football that year because you guys had such a good defense, such a good running game, playmakers on the outside to move the chains through the air, and you just things just didn't break right because of the injuries that you mentioned early on, the game – the season didn't finish out the way you guys probably wanted it to, but you had to have thought that way too, right? Like you had to know that team was pretty damn good.
0: No, without a doubt. I think we we we, we had we had a few opportunities before. I think we were at one point one. I know this is going back, but I think we at one point we were eight and one, and Cecil was the running back. And uh it, it and we ended up <laughs> if you can believe this, we're eight one and we ended up nine and seven. So that that's 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 how those seasons go. But uh, you know, whenever you have that uh you know, that Linda was the kicker and we had a good defense, obviously that was drilled and I had from from Jimmy Johnson on to Dave, you know, uh just play good defense and and keep the game close. We we can pull it out with a field goal. So Unfortunately, that was the way we we thought at the time, and and you know all the things were pointing in that direction. We had a great defense. Uh, we had Ricky, which you know we were gonna run the ball. You knew that, and we could make plays outside. I, I could work the middle and, and keep it close, and, and, and Chris and and James had the ability to take it deep. You know, anytime they got ready, so we felt good at the time, and and our record showed it. We were four and one and five and one after this game, but. Uh, you know, nobody, nobody can, nobody can tell those, when those injuries are going to happen. And that game, it, it took a lot out of us. But you know, we're proud. We're proud of the, the win. I mean, I, I think it was what, a 51, 52-yard field goal that won the game. And, and you know, you want when you go all the way out there, you want to win.
1: He's Aronde Gadsden talking 2002 Dolphins and Broncos, a thrilling win, yeah, almost in overtime. It came down to the end of the fourth quarter there. Aronde, we really appreciate your time today, man. But before I let you go, what are you up to today? What is Aronde Gadsden doing in 2020?
0: Um, you know, teaching and coaching football here at uh, uh, local high school in, in Plantation, Florida, American Heritage School. Um, we got a few a few dolphins uh over here doing the same thing. Uh Pat Sertan is the head coach and uh you have Anthony Harris and, and and a few other Dolphins, Ed Perry, a few other Dolphins that coach on the same staff. So uh we're over here, you know, trying to give the information and everything we learned and try to pass it down to the young up and coming wide receivers, DBs, and uh other young adults trying to trying to make it
1: well, I'm sure you guys are getting plenty of W's with that coaching staff in tow. That's pretty impressive uh, <laughs> a group of guys you got there. He is Arande Gatson, former Miami Dolphins receiver. Aronde, really appreciate your time today, man.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. Going down memory lane is always fun.
1: Well, we certainly appreciate having you, Arande. And there he goes, former Dolphins receiver Arande Gadsden on this Finns Flashback Thursday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. We're going to do this once a week going forward, but we want to hear from you, the fans. Tell us which games you want to hear about going back over any game throughout the course of Miami Dolphins history. We'll cover it here on the podcast. We'll get a player from that game and talk to him here on the podcast and write a story up on MiamiDolphins.com about the same game, which you can check out on MiamiDolphins.com. Dolphins Broncos 2002 the thrilling come from behind win in the fourth quarter. As for today's podcast, that is going to be my time. You all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead, leave us a rating, leave us a five star review. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins, and of course, check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network and MiamiDolphins.com for all your written, video, audio content needs on your Miami Dolphins. Until next time, fins up.